nations calling hear the sound the sound of the fatherless crying who will go for us who will shout to the corners of the earth that Christ is King hear the sound hear the sound the sound of the nations calling Free. 
everybody. How are you doing? Great. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we can gather today, that we can come in the name of Jesus, that we can celebrate you, that we can turn our attention to you together this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask that every person in this room would know your presence, would know you're empowering. And Father, as we sing about the nations, I thank you, Jesus, that your sacrifice on the cross was for every person from every nation for all time. And it is such a privilege to be part of the family of God. So this morning, we do turn our attention to you. We thank you for this wonderful country. We declare your blessing over this country. In Jesus' name, that you would uh, fill our leaders of our cities and our nation with wisdom that they would make wise decisions, that their hearts would be turned toward you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is very good to see you. You're looking fine. You're doing okay? Someone, someone flicked, I was only away a week and someone flicked the winter switch. I went away, it was like t-shirts, I've come back and it's jackets. I don't know what's gone wrong, but uh, just because it's winter doesn't mean you're allowed to be quiet, okay? So why don't you turn around and say hello to three or four people, noisily. Fantastic. Why don't you grab a seat? It's wonderful to see you. Who has had a 
birthday or a wedding anniversary or got engaged in the last week. Today's a good day to celebrate because it's a special one. No one. No birthdays. No. Say that again. Jess Hannah graduated. That's worth the chocolate, surely. Come on. That's got to be worth the chocolate. Birthday. Birthday. Why don't you come out, Manu? Look at this. It's Aaron's first birthday, and they're going to cut the cake with all of us this morning. Isn't that cool? Isn't that fantastic? That's a pretty cool cake to get when you turn one, isn't it? Shall we sing him happy birthday? What do you reckon? Why don't you jump up on your feet? Let's sing happy birthday to Aaron this morning. Ready? Can you play happy birthday? In a key we can sing? That's great. Take a step back. <laughs> One year old with a knife. Wow. Happy birthday. That is so cool. <laughs> Very good. Very good. You guys have a great day and a great birthday. Oh, we haven't prayed yet, so don't go anywhere. Thank you, Jen. While you're on your feet, let's pray. Ready? Here we go. Father, thank you for your family. We declare health, health, favour, prosperity, purpose and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, bless Aaron, we pray. In the name of Jesus. And you too. And Janelle as well. It was your birthday. Fantastic. Happy birthday. Very good. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Hello, everyone. My name is Manor, and I moved. Um, I decided to move to Hamilton and settle down with Erwin four years back. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to share. You might not get out um, uh, We settled in our early 40s, so we really wanted a child. And in four years' time, we had three miscarriages, which was very heartbreaking. And so he's the fourth one. And I want to thank everyone who'd been, who'd been praying for this baby all the way, especially Pastor Rex, his wife, Irene, the ladies' group, and all the church family. You'd been amazing, and we want to thank you very much. It's fantastic. That's awesome. He really is a miracle, isn't he? It's wonderful. Fantastic. Well, there's a few things I need to inform you of today, and um, just so that you're up to speed. This Tuesday night, we start the School of Leadership. So our country desperately needs leaders. We need leaders in the church. We need leaders in the marketplace. We need leaders in community. And um, so what we're starting this 
week is a school of leadership. The price is zero. Just want you there, really. If you've got any, any stirring within you to develop leadership, the leadership on your life and in your life, how about coming on Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7.20? Uh, we have to finish at 7.20 because we go on to the prayer gathering after that. But starting this Tuesday, it's four weeks of your life. That's all. This year we're doing three courses. This is the first one that we're doing. And this one is also is all about personal transformation. So uh, the key uh, subject, I guess, that you'll be learning in this one and coming to understand is how you are wired to connect with God in the way that works best for you. We're all different. And uh, we actually relate to God differently. And so that's what this one's going to be about. Tuesday night's the first one. Now, these cards are in the um, foyer. If you want to fill in your details, just so we know how many people are coming, so we can work out which room to put it in, uh, and put it in one of the boxes or give it to the hub, that would be absolutely fantastic. Also, we have um, School of the Spirit coming up in June, just to start to make you aware of that. We have John Kens coming from Australia, from Melbourne. He's a great teacher, teacher of uh, how to move in the, in the Spirit. And we also have Daz Chettle coming again. Now, if you know Daz, he was, um, he's a long-time friend of Jan's and mine. He was in our church in Christchurch. He's a bit of a crazy, really. He'd find that a compliment, wouldn't he? He is. He's an evangelist, is what he is. I heard last week that when he was flying back from the States, he stood up at the front of the plane and said, excuse me, everybody, can I just have your attention for a minute? He got the whole plane's attention. He preached the gospel, then he sat down. So he's that kind of guy. Okay, so he's actually going to talk to us about how to engage people in uh, faith conversation and, and how to share our faith. So you may not be the kind of person who would stand at the front of an aeroplane, but you'll learn something from him. He is a great guy. So he's going to be at that too. Now, this is important for you to remember. Next week, we have a 10 a.m. only, Mother's Day. 10 a.m. If you arrive at 9, you'll be drinking coffee by yourself for an hour. So 10 a.m. and 6 p.m., Mother's Day, next Sunday. Also, we have the healing rooms um, next Saturday down here at the, at the church. I encourage you, if you're not well, to make the most of that opportunity. And during the week, we've got some stuff happening as well. It is wonderful to have Grant McAllister with us all the way from Hong Kong. And uh, you'll be hearing from Grant soon. And uh, Grant and Vicky were sent out by this church back 2096. 20... 20... 20... 27 years. No, what's that? It's less than that. Help me with the math. 20... Math. 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 Uh, 20, 21 years ago. And um, I've spent most of that time on mainland China. They're now in uh, Hong Kong. And we're going to hear from Grant very shortly. Uh, also, there's an opportunity to hear from Grant this week uh, on the Wednesday night. The subject I believe you're covering is how we as Hamiltonian Christians can reach out to our Muslim neighbours. That sounds pretty exciting, actually. It sounds very good. And uh, as part of our global mandate, we are also on the 17th of May, we have an anti-trafficking workshop. Uh, that you can attend, and I encourage you to attend that as well. So this month, we're re really our focus is around the globe. It's what we do as a church around the globe, our global mandate um, to make disciples around the planet. So I encourage you to get involved. There's going to be things happening all month. 
uh, different bits and pieces. Hopefully you'll find something there that really lights a, a passion in you. Well, we have a psalm this morning. Chris, would you like to come? How about giving Chris a hand as he comes? Thanks, Sharon. Alrighty, Psalm 71, verses 1 to 16. O Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me and rescue me, for you do what is right. Turn your ear to listen to me and set me free. Be my rock of safety where I can always hide. Give the order to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. My God, rescue me from the power of the wicked, from the clutches of cruel oppressors. O Lord, you alone are my hope. I've trusted you, O Lord, from, my, from childhood. Yes, you have been with me from birth. From my mother's womb, you have cared for me. No wonder I am always praising you. My life is an example to many, because you have been my strength and protection. That is why I can never stop praising you. I declare your glory all day long. And now, in my old age, don't set me aside. Don't abandon me when my strength is failing. For my enemies are whispering against me. They are plotting together to kill me. They say, God has abandoned him. They say, let's go and get him, for no one will help him now. Oh God, don't stay away. My God, please hurry to help me. Bring disgrace and destruction to my accusers. Humiliate and shame those who want to harm me. But I, I will keep on hoping for your help. I will praise you more and more. I will tell everyone about your righteousness. All day long, I will proclaim your saving power. Though I am not skilled with words, I will praise your mighty deeds. O sovereign Lord, I will tell everyone that you alone are just. Thank you. I love that phrase, all day long, I will proclaim your saving power. This morning we're going to celebrate communion together. And by celebrating communion together, we are all day long proclaiming his saving power. That's what we're doing, we're remembering. But I'd like you to do something this morning. If you could, if there were two words that described communion for you, what would those two words be? Think about it just for a moment. Only two. There were two words. What two words would you choose? I'm going to ask some of you, so don't freak out. But that's the way it is. What two words would you choose for communion? There were two words to describe communion. Real. Get real. Get real. Very good. I like that. Very good. Two words. Love and grace. Humble and sacrifice. God's love. Jesus saves. Oh, mine was 
because Jesus died. Can the hosts hand out the emblems, please? My two words would be eternal hope this morning, I think. My two words. Jan? Unfathomable love. Love and hope. Love and hope. Fantastic. Thank you. Great. That's awesome. Oh, just counting the words. <laughs> <laughs> you got two words? Love and sacrifice. Fantastic. Communion is an incredibly, I think it's an incredibly powerful time. It's not a historic time where we are going through the motions. It's actually a a time, an occasion where we grasp the now and the reality of God now and what he's done for us now and we remember what he did. But we also embrace who he is now and what he's done now. And this morning as you receive the emblems, can I encourage you to ponder on your two words for a moment? Because we're receiving communion together today, but it's also a very personal thing. Ponder on your two words and give him thanks. maybe start to unpack what those two words mean for you. They mean for your world, for your life. And then as you take the biscuit, we're remembering that his body was broken. That he was hung on a cross for our behalf, on our behalf. And as we drink the juice, we're remembering that his blood was spilt to pay for our sin, to pay for our wrongdoing, wherever we've missed the mark. All that we can now have connection with Jesus, with the Father, through Jesus. It's incredibly powerful. Jesus, we acknowledge you today. Remembering the past, remembering the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. And thanking you that because of everything you've done, we can now have relationship with you, with the Father. We thank you for the now, that our relationship with you doesn't or isn't locked to a formality or a 
code of practice or anything like that, rules, but that you've created the way for intimate relationship with you. Lord, my prayer for every person this morning is that those two words that came to their mind would come alive, that there would be a, a revelation around those two words that would bring incredible freedom and liberty and intimacy in our relationship with you. So this morning we celebrate by taking the biscuit together and then the juice in Jesus' name. Amen. How about take the biscuit and the juice as you really? Jesus' death and resurrection creates for us. And in preparing for this morning, there's just been this word constant that's been going through my head. Two words that I had were um, descriptions of a state, dead and alive. Christ died, he was dead and now he's alive and it's a state he is alive and will forever be but not just that I was dead I was dead in my sin I was dead not knowing God and now I'm alive and it's constant life in him and um this hymn was chosen not knowing where Sheridan was going but I think speaks well to that when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like
said as well. Lord, both as a statement of truth, but as a statement of faith. Lord, not everything in this life is easy. But you are constant. And it's your constancy that creates wellness in us. Not what we do, but what you have done. Lord, ringing through eternity. We are well because of you. We are well because you make yourself known to us. You descended, you came to us, and you raise us up to life, life eternal in you. Lord, on the days that it is hard, lift our eyes to the truth that we are seated with you. And Lord, on the days where it's easy and we are full of life and joy, let us speak wellness. It is well with my soul. going on in your world today but I know as Andrew's just said sometimes life's not easy sometimes there's struggles going on what I'd really like us to do is if you feel safe enough to and I trust you do is if you've got struggles in your world at the moment and you'd like some people just simply to stand and pray with you can you lift your hand wherever you are could be health could be provision could be relationships I don't know what it is Struggles are human condition. They're real. Can you look around if someone's got their hand up beside you? Can you simply gather around them, maybe lay a hand on their shoulder? You know, faith some days simply looks like going back and asking again and again and again and again. Father, you know the needs of every person. You know the needs of the ones who have lifted their hand this morning. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would touch these people's worlds. Jesus, that you would release a miracle. Health, finance, relationships, whatever it is, provision. that you would release a miracle in Jesus' name. And Father, by faith, we keep knocking on the door and knocking on the door and knocking on the door saying, please resolve the situation. Yet in the meantime, as we wait, as we walk, we declare it as well in our soul. It is well with my soul. 
It is well. It is well. The declaration of faith is, it is well. Jesus a hand, eh? Come on. We praise you, Jesus. You're worthy of all praise. All glory belongs to you. Even when we don't understand it, we will still praise you. We will still lift you up. You're worthy. You're worthy. Amen. Well, you can take a seat if you'd like to. As I said earlier, it is a great privilege to have Grant McAllister with us today. And, um, We've journeyed for a long time now, 21 years, that is a long time. I was trying to uh, remember actually the first time I uh, visited you in Christchurch, um, in, I was in Christchurch, but in China the other day, it must be 15 years ago, it would be a, be a long time now. And um, so it's been an ab- absolute privilege journeying with Gran and Vicky and the family, and the family are all grown up now. Is, is Isaac in the UK or going to the UK? in the US at the moment still, and um, Elizabeth's about to get married, and so so life's really changed for you, growing up, they have. I was, um, I'm, Grant's going to do the speaking, but I just want to tell you one story, um, because I was in China a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I was in, can you not record this, Matt? That would be good. Um, I was, why don't you come, please give Grant a massive big hand. It is wonderful to have you with us today. Wonderful. Thank you, mate. God, God bless you. Thank you. Well, it is really good to be here. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it'd be 21 years ago since my family and I left, and um, a lot of faces I don't know, some I do know. Um, we come back every couple of years, um, but it's, it's really neat to be sent out by a church that is really behind us, and that missions is the real heart of the church. I was, I was just thinking when you're talking about what two words for communion, and for me, I, just, I remember um, a situation I was in, 
Um, and the words that came to me were the blood, or the blood of Jesus. I guess that's for the blood of Jesus, yep. And um, I remember not long after I'd got to China, um, there was a guy that uh, I'd led to the Lord. And, but every time I looked at him, I felt there was something wrong when I looked in his eyes. And, um, and then one day I was praying about it, and God said to me, the guy has committed adultery. So I, the next day I said to him, well, have you ever committed adultery? And he said, yep, I have. And he felt really ashamed by it. He hadn't long come to the Lord. So I said to him, okay, well, we need to spend a bit of time praying for you. And so he arranged another time to come over. And as soon as he started praying, he, he hit the ground. And I just really felt to say the blood of Jesus, just to say that over him. And every time I said that over him, there was this huge manifestation that happened. And he started, every time I said that, he'd start wiggling across the floor like a snake. And he'd bounce off this cabinet, and he'd bounce off that cabinet. It was really quite, quite something. And it was a very tangible sign of the power of the blood of Jesus. Um, often we can, especially if we live in the Western world, or not always, but it can be just a phrase, right? But this, this was a very tangible sign that every time I said the blood of Jesus, something manifested in him. And that reaction from the power of the blood of Jesus and demons. And anyway, I just wanted to share that. Just, just to encourage you, as you're praying, there's real power in the blood. Amen? <clears throat> About 20 years ago, um, before, so we live in Hong Kong. Before we live in Hong Kong, I um, went to a mall. Uh, with, with my son Isaac, who was about, uh, what was he, about two, Elizabeth was about one, or maybe a bit more, and uh, Vicky was off uh, doing something else, so I took them to have something to eat and have a look around, and we went into KFC in a mall, and I said to the kids, okay, now you sit, I was right at the very front, the table at the front, I said, now you sit here, and I'm going to go up and get the food, don't move, and anyway... I went up, and I'd literally taken about five steps. I walked around, and Elizabeth was gone. And it was a very large mall, just literally thousands of people. And I was like, oh, no. And so I turned around, and I said to my son Isaac, I said, uh, where, where's she gone, do you know? And, he, of course, he was, he was oblivious. He didn't know where. He, he didn't even notice she'd gone. Well, I thought, oh, man, here's my daughter lost in this mall. And I went out, and my heart was absolutely panicking. And all I could think of was, how am I going to tell Vicky I've lost Elizabeth? <laughs> oh, I was running around, I was grabbing my son Isaac, and oh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, I was calling out. I just felt really panicked inside. And then from the distance came this lady carrying my daughter, trying to look around to see, does anyone own my daughter? And my heart was so relieved. I was so relieved. And this morning, I want us to talk about how Jesus goes looking for lost sheep. Well, often um, we don't always understand God's heart for the lost. And this morning, I want to talk about the parable of the lost sheep. I want us to specifically look at two things. One, how sheep get lost. And I want to talk about the shepherd who goes looking for the sheep and our part in that. So if we could turn our Bibles to Luke 15... 1 to 7, if you've got a Bible there, we'll take a look at that. Luke 
Okay, so the context here is the tax collectors in verse 1. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. So talking about Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law's law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, back in the day, um, to eat with somebody, and this is very common in, in Eastern cultures, to eat with some, someone is a very big deal. It really shows a real commitment, and it's something very special when you eat and share a meal together. So they're saying that he even eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So Jesus, this morning... Lord, we ask that you would give us fresh insight, uh, give us eyes to be able to see the scripture in a fresh way today. Thank you that your heart is for the lost. We pray that this morning that we would grab a glimpse of that. Thank you that you, for those of us here who know you, thank you that you have come and found us and brought us home. And we're so grateful for that. And all around us, Lord, in, in Hamilton and as we Think about the world this month, so many people who are lost and do not know you. And Lord, this morning, we pray that you'd speak afresh to us in ways that you would ask us to go looking for lost sheep. Lord, show us the lostness of people around us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in China, and um, it's interesting, Jim and Sarah are here, they used to live in the middle, out in the middle of nowhere um, in China. The shepherd, often we would see the sheep, uh, shepherds in China don't have large, large flocks, at least not where we used to live. And often, even in a busy city like Beijing, where we used to live, you live outside the city, even, uh, so if you go outside the city, even just on the road, you'd often see a shepherd with maybe 20 or so sheep. There weren't a lot, and uh, they'd just be following along behind the shepherd. And, um, but he had this really close relationship with his sheep. He really knew them. So we're not talking about large sheep stations like they do down the South Island, but just a small flock. And I often, would, when I would see that, I would think of this parable a lot. And just recently I began thinking, how do sheep get lost? I wonder how, how do they actually get lost? Are there any sheep farmers here? Oh, Jim, uh, <laughs> you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> anyway, I was reading about how sheep get lost, and um, you can correct me afterwards, Jim, if I'm wrong. But it said that there seemed to be three ways that sheep get lost. Um, one is they want autonomy. They like to be by themselves. Another one is a wild animal or predator will steal them. Or third, they wander off sometimes without realizing it. And I remember... Uh, just as I thought about that, I thought, wow, isn't that so much like many people? Sometimes some people, we really just want autonomy, and we wander away. Uh, we, we go off on our own, do our own thing. Sometimes people are stolen away like a predator, and that can be for various different reasons. People are stolen away. Or third, sometimes people just often wander away, and they don't even really realize it. Before you know it, they're away, and they're lost. And sheep, sheep don't set out to be lost, Right? Sheep don't set out to be lost. They find themselves lost. And when a sheep gets lost, 
It'll start bleating and calling out. It'll eventually lie down under a bush somewhere or lie down somewhere. And then after a while, it'll stop making a noise. Um, even so, when that the shepherd comes nearby, it just, it'll just stop getting, uh, making a noise. It becomes almost paralyzed, really. And um, yeah, so that this is this is a simple way about how sheep get lost. And recently, I was thinking about a situation that we have in uh, southwest China. So I'll talk a bit about our work. Um, there's an old man who uh, came to know the Lord about a year ago. And uh, lost, very lost. Um, the places where we're sharing the gospel, they haven't heard of Jesus before. And uh, he came to know Jesus. And then recently he got very sick. And his uh, sons took him to the hospital. Well, as time deteriorated, he found himself uh, starting to slip into a coma. Stopped eating, uh, could no longer speak, and no longer moving. And the doctors couldn't do anything for him. And so the doctor said to the sons, look, why don't you take him home? He needs, uh, he's going to die. Just take him home. So this is way up in the mountains, middle of nowhere. So anyway, um, a friend of mine who's my Chinese co-worker um, got a call to say, look, could you come and pray for him? And um, so the church had not long been established in this area, so he went to pray. And there was a concern about that he hadn't been baptized. And um, now we know baptism doesn't save people, but for a lot of people, especially in China, it's, 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 it's really important. So my friend said to me, well, what should we do? Um, you know, we, you can't baptize a guy who is like unconscious, who's um, in a coma. You know, you can't baptize a guy in a coma. So what do you do? And I said, well, as we know, baptism doesn't save anyone. So I said, look, just grab a bit of water and splash it on him <laughs> and then pray for him and just leave it at that. So anyway, so that's what he did. And then he just went back to the, back to the city. Well, a few days later, he got a call and said, oh, the guy's woken up. And the guy's starting to ask for some food and he's starting to speak. And now he's all back. He's all healthy again. Well, the gospel, the power of God is, is really spread. Now around this area, and people are really taking notice. Uh, wonderful story about the tangible power of God. Uh, wonderful. So Jesus is at work in people's lives, and it's our responsibility to go and find these people. Um, Paul says that, he's, that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, which just is a flash way of saying that um, he, we partner together with God to go and find these lost um, co-workers, uh, lost, sorry, lost, uh, lost people. Um, since June last year, we've begun a work in a area in southwest China, and we have now seen 20 villages have the beginnings of churches in them within, within a year. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. These people have never had the gospel before. Um, no, no church in these areas, and now there's at least 20. And they're the, in the beginnings of, of becoming churches. So for us, how what we've done is we use a principle called the uh, person of peace. So if anyone's heard of it, from Luke chapter 10. And so the idea is, is that Jesus is already at work in people's lives. And um, we, our job is to um, be led by him to find these people who are ready. And so each of these villages have these people that are ready to receive Jesus. Um, now, what we do is we do no individual evangelism. Okay, so no leading individuals to Christ, only families to Christ. Um, and so it's quite a different way of doing it, but it's a really good way to start a church is from 
um, from, from a, a family. Um, in fact, we, um, I have a friend of mine who um, is in Indonesia. They use the same model, and they say that if you lead individuals to Christ, you're under church discipline. How's that? So no individuals. You must only lead families. And so that's what we've begun doing. And so now we've got 20 villages that have the beginnings of churches. And just the other day, um, we did some baptisms. Um, so we don't really count that a person is serious for following Christ unless they've been baptized. Baptize, baptism is a mark of being serious, that you've switched your allegiance to Christ. So I'll do a plug for baptism if you haven't been baptized and you're here this morning. It's really important. It's a non-negotiable. Um, it really shows it's a mark of following Jesus. A um, couple of photos I'd like to show. So if we could just... So this was literally just the other day. Here we go. So this is a baptism way up in the mountains. So each of these guys represent a village, represent a family of people, and they're the leaders. And so um, they're, they're less than a year old in the Lord, maybe only about six months old in the Lord. And um, so my coworker is the guy on the left there in the white shirt. So he will baptize them. And then this coming week, oh, he's, he baptized them rather, and we can probably just keep going through. And then, um, then they will go back and they will baptize their own people in their villages. And so what we try to do is very quickly get people to begin sharing and baptizing their own folks. Yeah, so this is pretty cool. It's way up in the middle of nowhere, dirt roads, way up the top of the mountain. Um, yeah, so you see that he's got his tracksuit on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very cold up in uh, yeah, mountain st uh, stream. Yeah, Yeah. so this is the first fruits of a project we started about a year ago. Um, about 120 people have come to faith in the last year. Yeah, and um, we're really expecting, thanks, great. We're really expecting the gospel to really take off. Um, so we're planning to try to, to have at least about 100 villages. Uh, we'll have the beginnings of, of churches within over the next couple of years. So, um, yeah, praise the Lord. So thank you for being part of that. Thank you for praying. Thank you for partnering with us in that. Um, actually, just the other day I was up uh, in this area, and I sat in a room, and I noticed there were four generations of believers there, which I thought was quite neat. So there was me, and I led the, the guy with the white shirt. I led him to the Lord, and then he'd led another guy to the Lord, and then there were these guys. And I thought, well, isn't that cool? Um, four generations, and then of course they, they'll be leading other people to the Lord, you know, this week as we speak. And I think it's just really neat to be part of something where you see the gospel just go flow from one one place to another. So my heart was very full as I said. I think, wow, it's just so exciting to be part of being used by the Lord to find lost people. But it's not just in China we're talking about; it's wherever we are. God has prepared people. Right here in Hamilton, there are people that are lost. And like the sheep, they are crying out to be found. They really are. And we really don't know what's going on in someone's life. Um, I know when I first came to the Lord, um, I used to be a carpet layer. In fact, I laid this carpet, come to think of it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I laid this carpet. So wait, are going back quite a few years. <laughs> and um, I remember if you, the, the AOG and the down the center of town there, um, when it used to be a supermarket for those who knew way back. And um, I was really starting to, I just had real, real challenges in my life, and, um, and I didn't know the Lord. And anyway, 
we were laying the carpet in there, and they, I remember they had the poles up like this, and they had these little tracks you could grab. And I looked around to see if anyone was looking. I quickly grabbed one, shoved it in my pocket. And I was thinking, all these years later, I wonder if anyone even knows that I grabbed a little tract out of there, and it was very influential in me coming to know the Lord. And so I share that because we really don't know what's going on in people's lives. We really don't. Your neighbors... Uh, your workmates, there can be a real lot of stuff going on and we don't know. And the people are looking for God. Some, well, they, sometimes they may not even know they're looking for God, but they're searching. And so we, our job is to get out there and help find them. So in this parable, the shepherd, what's he like? Well, he leaves the 99 aside and he goes looking for the one. So we're not talking about a huge number of sheep here. It's just a, a, a small group. I was reading the other day that in the East, Eastern shepherds, they have a very close relationship with their sheep. And often they give them names. And um, I was reading about how a guy was in Greece and he thought he'd test this out. So he went up to a, a shepherd and he said, um, is it true that you give your sheep names? And he said, yeah, I'll show you. And then he called out the name, the sheep, and the, um, the sheep with that name poked its head up and came over. And in fact, he said, um, he said, if you were to blindfold me and put the sheep in front of me, I could feel the sheep and I'd know which one it was. And I thought, well, wow, isn't that amazing? I don't know if you ever did that, Jim, with your sheep. No? <laughs> Too many. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, isn't that, isn't that neat? Um, when, the river, when there's a sheep cross the river, the shepherd would go first. And then the sheep who knew the shepherd really well would follow in close behind. They would trust the shepherd. The sheep who weren't sure would hang back. And if there was a, uh, a sheep that got swept downstream, the, sh the shepherd would swim and jump in and go and swim after it. The shepherd lay down. He was the gate. You know, Jesus said that I'm, I'm the gate. So they had the wall and the, the shepherd slept as the gate to protect the sheep. And... To me, this shows the whole idea of the closeness of the shepherd and his sheep. Uh, recently, I was uh, where this photos of baptism were in. Um, I was in with the, those group of guys, actually. I was with them. And we were doing a study around Jesus as the good shepherd. Now, all these guys are shepherds. They understand sheep. And we were talking about the, um, the thief when he comes to steal and to destroy, and how the hireling or the hired worker, he will run away. And I was really fascinated to hear they all said the same thing. I said, oh, yeah, that's true. If you get someone who you hire, there's no way they'll hang around. If there's some danger, they'll take off. And I thought, isn't that amazing that these guys, they understood so perfectly the whole analogy of, the, of, of being the shepherd. Now, Jesus is the shepherd here. He goes looking and he goes hunting for sheep. Yet, he uses us in, in the process. So, as we go, and we go out and we find um, people, I want to encourage you to try to be looking for people that God has really prepared. So, what we do is when we um, start our work, uh, a simple way to do this is just to be sharing thoughts, spiritual thoughts with people. And those who are people of peace will be attracted to you. Um, sometimes it's, I think it's very easy to try to be like a salesman for Jesus, where you're always trying to sell Jesus. 
And, and that's not really the picture we see in the Bible. The idea is, is that if we are spiritually contagious people, people will be drawn to us. Okay? People, will, people will want to know. Those who are searching will want to know. I remember when I was um, uh, a couple of years ago working in a Muslim community in China. And so we had a lot of Muslim students. I was teaching English. That was my uh, job. Well, it was my visa, really. Um, not so much my job, but my visa. And um, one day this Muslim lady said to me, she, there was three of us, three Christians, in this little company. And she said to me, you know, out of the three of you, uh, she said to me, you love Jesus the most. And I said, oh, I don't know about that. I think we probably all love Jesus about the same, I guess. And she said, no, you love Jesus the most. And I said, oh, really? Why do you say that? She said, well, you talk about Jesus the most. There's you, and then you, and then you. And she had rated us in the order of how much we love Jesus, a Muslim lady, because she could see the, how much we talk naturally about Jesus. So I want to encourage you, um, wherever situation you're in, or whatever, wherever you are, don't, don't, don't be afraid to talk about Jesus. I know sometimes we can be a little bit um, shy about that. We don't need to uh, really bash people over the head with the gospel, but just talking about naturally how Jesus relates to our life and how Jesus has helped us. And people who are really looking will be attracted. Yeah? Amen? Yeah, so it's really true. It is really true. People who are looking, I think of when Vicky, my wife, came to know the Lord. She was working in the BNZ years ago. And um, there was a lady that worked for her. She never actually talked about Jesus, but there was something different about her. So when Vicky had a crisis, she knew straight away who to go to. And it was this lady was the one who led her to the Lord. And so I encourage you, don't be afraid to be uh, naturally spiritual. Be, be contagious, and people will be drawn to you. That's what we find in China. And uh, those kind of people are usually the ones who will make a real difference in the lives of their family and friends. So the shepherd, the sheep, Maymouth, the missions... Thank you for being a church that uh, gets behind the missionaries. It's exciting to be um, being part of God's um, plan and, and process to see people come to know him. And we really do value at your prayer and your giving. If you think, oh man, I wonder if my prayer is doing much, it really does make a difference. And I'll do a plug for the prayer meetings. I see Sally down the back uh, for our one. It's at Sally's house. Um, we see really tangible answers to prayer. We really do. And um, there are times where we're in some very difficult situations we don't really know what to do. But we ask the prayer group to pray and if they've got some words to share them. And we take those very seriously. So I encourage you, get along to the prayer meeting. It's a real important part of, of our ministry in Hong Kong and China. So God bless you. Thank you. Um, it's wonderful to be able to share this morning. And um, I'll do a plug for baptism again. If you haven't been baptized, get baptized. It's really important. God bless you. Thank you, Grant. It's wonderful being connected with people like Grant and Vicky all around the planet. It really is. And, um, you know, as we um, champion what's happening with our global mandate this month, uh, it's great to have real-life faces in front of us of people that we're partnering with around the globe, and um, I encourage you to allow 
global mission, allow, allow our global mandate to become a real driving passion for you in your journey with Jesus as you walk. I remember for me, you know, years and years ago, mission just it didn't ring my bell at all. The thought of mission didn't ring my bell. But as I've walked continuously with Jesus and as I've kept my heart open to what he's doing, uh, something's really gripped me about being able to minister around the globe, about being able to share the gospel with people here and there. And uh, it's a huge, huge privilege that we have that we won't be able to do on the other side. I can't remember who said it. Someone said, the only thing we won't be able to do in heaven is share our faith or win people to Christ. Um, It's a good thought, but we can do it now. Our global mandate as a church is this, activating community transformation by making disciples, establishing and strengthening churches based on a global apostolic and prophetic mandate to extend his kingdom as directed by the Holy Spirit. So we've got some cool things happening, and it's all of us that makes it happen. Grant, why don't you jump back on your feet? I'd really like to pray for you before we finish. Rick, uh, Ray, would you like to come and... Church, can we all stand? Let's declare God's blessing and protection. And... Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Father, we thank you for Grant and Lord Vicky and their family. Father, thank you that uh, you're, you have graced them, Lord, Father, to make disciples who make disciples, who continue to make disciples, to see the name of Jesus made famous in Hong Kong and China. Father, we thank you for the awesome work that you have done and are doing and will continue to do. Father, I pray that, Lord, fresh anointing would come upon Grant and Vicky and their family, Lord. Fresh anointing to accelerate the work. Fresh anointing, Lord, to open up doors of opportunity that, Lord, they haven't even dreamed or thought about. Lord, fresh anointing, Father, that people's lives will be changed for good and your goodness will be on display for people everywhere to see. So we thank you for Grant. We thank you for our partnership. We thank you for global mission, global mandate. And that, Lord, as we focus over the next uh, number of weeks, Father, I pray as a church that, Lord, we'll be absolutely gripped by the story of what you're doing around the globe as we hear from Grant and others. And so we thank you for the privilege of standing with him and Vicky and their family. In Jesus' name. Well, whenever you, wherever you are and whenever you're there this week. Boy, you guys are quiet today. Did someone flick the winter switch and turn your mouths off as well? It's not okay. It's not okay. You've got to learn to respond when Jesus is speaking to you, when there's something of truth. I'm not Jesus, so don't get that confused. When there's something of truth being spoken because we are not saved by just believing in our heart. We are saved by our confession. And the promises of God are a yes and an amen, not a nod and a wink. Okay? So I'm not growling. I'm just saying, yeah, we actually need to say yes because we're saying something to our spirits. We say, we're telling ourselves something. You know, that's good. Is that true? God, yes. Okay. So, is that all right? I feel good. It's like I like it. Okay. A couple of things as we go. Um, Thank you for being purposed in your giving. Remember the giving stations are outside on your left as you go out the door. And um, that'll be great. If we can stand and pray with you for anything at all, 
um, please come to the front. We'd love to do that. Now, I understand that um, um, we've got some morning tea. I think it might be birthday cake supplied for us this morning. So don't rush off too quickly. Hang around and meet some people. Father, I declare your blessing over your church. I also ask that you would fill us with courage so that whenever we are and whenever we're there, we will have the courage to have spiritual conversation with people. We'd have the courage to share what you're doing in our lives and about the journey we're on with you and what an awesome God you are. And so as we go into this week, I ask that you give us eyes and ears to see the opportunities that lie right in front of us. In Jesus' name, and may your kingdom continually be established. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming out this morning. Make sure you do stay for a coffee. Meet some people. Have a great week.